and thank you for tuning in to the Fi Mastery Podcast, where our focus is on providing tools, resources, and insights that empower driven individuals to secure their own path to financial independence. My name is Peter Donisano, and today we're going to talk about whether this risk asset rally still has legs. You know, U.S. stocks have had a strong run this year, but the momentum seems to have stumbled somewhat over the past few weeks. And now this rise in market volatility has some investors asking, is this it? Was this rally too good to be true? And is it now finally over? Well, while it's anyone's guess where markets might be headed in the future, in today's episode, we'll discuss how changing expectations about the economy, inflation, and central bank policy are likely leading to doubts about the current market rally and contributing to recent price weakness. So with that, let's dive into today's podcast. Now, evidence suggests that this year's risk asset rally is likely primed for a pullback. So why now? Why the glum news after the S&P 500 index posted one of its strongest year-to-date rallies in over two decades? Well, now it's essential to remember that most market activity is underpinned by a narrative or a story that influences price wings either higher or lower. And now this year's rally isn't any different. To be sure, the consensus view among many investors this year was that the Federal Reserve would finally beat inflation by aggressively raising interest rates. And while higher rates are typically a market headwind, investors bet that the Fed's aggressive moves would eventually tip the economy into a recession, prompting policymakers to reverse course sooner rather than later. Now, the Fed tends to cut rates to get ahead of rising unemployment, which tends to happen during a recession. And so financial markets interpret falling interest rates as supportive of market prices. And so while headline inflation has fallen this year, the long forecasted recession that was supposed to materialize hasn't yet materialized. Now, in any other situation, this would be a win for households and businesses and policymakers alike. But the fact that the U.S. economy continues to hum along even as it's now more expensive than ever to borrow money suggests that the fight against inflation isn't over yet and the story many investors had been betting on this year likely won't happen as quickly as once hoped. Indeed, according to implied Fed funds futures coming into the start of the year, market participants expected the Fed to take rates higher throughout the year before eventually cutting Fed funds down to around four and a quarter percent by December of 2023. Now, as of the end of August, with Fed funds sitting at around five and a quarter percent, the same futures data now suggests that policymakers will actually keep rates where they're at now and likely won't start cutting rates until well into the first half of 2024. So then what does this outlook mean to the current market narrative? Well, the truth is that the market that had driven asset prices to current levels is likely losing steam, even as higher interest rates have exposed fractures in the regional banking sector, as we discussed some months ago. Now, what this means is that with interest rates staying higher for longer, there's more risk that something in the economy or the financial system could break. Even so, economic and systemic concerns appear measured enough for policymakers to hold tight on current monetary policy. Now, with all that said, it's crucial to note here that higher rates likely have influenced inflation's slowing, but the battle isn't over yet. Indeed, headline inflation, which includes food and energy prices, peaked at 9% last June and has since slowed to 3.3% through July of this year. At the same time, core PC inflation, which is a better gauge of underlying inflationary pressures, peaked at 5.4% in February of last year 
and has since declined to 4.3% in July. So then from this perspective, falling prices should be good for the economy and the markets, right? Well, while slowing price growth is indeed a positive market development, the drivers of inflation are different now than they were three years ago. More specifically, it could be argued that the cause of today's inflation plight started with supply-side drivers and now is being carried along by demand-side momentum. And so what do we mean here? Well, you likely experience the full effects of supply-side inflation during the lockdowns when prices shot up at the supermarkets due to a shortage of essential goods that we all need. In fact, the cost of most goods and services started to increase of everything from toiletries to personal protective gear to cars and semiconductors and appliances were all in short supply, ultimately making everything more expensive. And so that's supply-side inflation, or when prices rise because there's not enough of something to go around. And so when inflation started taking off in 2021, Fed policymakers and indeed central bankers globally turned a blind eye to the problem, and they assumed that these price moves higher would only be temporary or what they called transitory. In other words, they assumed that once pandemic-era supply chain bottlenecks eased up or more goods were available to go around, prices would eventually return to normal or at the very least, inflation would slow as more products hit store shelves. Indeed, after hitting a post-global financial crisis peak in 2021, international shipping costs, as measured by the Baltic Dry Index, are today trading around average levels. At the same time, freight shipments tracked by the CAS Freight Index show that overland shipping activity has slowed over the past year, which likely suggests that store shelves are being stocked at normal levels once again. So then, if supply-side inflation appears to be normalizing, then what's the issue? Well, the concern today isn't so much about supply-side inflation as it is about demand-side inflation. Indeed, the pandemic not only exposed the shortage of goods in the economy, it also highlighted the shortage of workers for essential jobs. That's why after months of resistance, many firms decided to finally raise prices to pass along various costs, including the higher wages needed to draw in more workers. And so when you have hundreds of thousands of individuals making 20% more than they were before the pandemic, you likely have a recipe for demand-side inflation. And so what is demand-side inflation? Well, you'll likely recall that with supply-side inflation, prices rise because there's an equal amount of money chasing fewer available goods. So then with demand-side inflation, you have prices taking off because individuals now have more money to spend, which means more money chasing after an equal amount of goods and services. Now, earlier this year, the Fed assumed that it would be able to put a lid on demand-side inflation by tipping the U.S. economy into recession through its aggressive monetary policy. And that's because history has shown that demand-side inflation tends to move lower when the economy slows as businesses lay off workers and households think twice about spending money. And so coming into the start of the year, market watchers and economists alike were betting on the narrative that slowing growth and the potential for a recession could pull the legs out from under the economy and hence allow the demand side of inflation to finally cool off. Sounds good, right? Well, that doesn't seem to be the case today. And why is that? Well, that's because labor market and household spending data, while having softened in recent months, continue to show that the U.S. economy is much more resilient than it had been, which has prompted many economists to revise higher their year-end U.S. GDP forecast. Indeed, this view was solidified by the fact that the Fed's own economists, for all intents and purposes, had stopped projecting a U.S. economic recession. And even at last week's Jackson Hole press conference, Fed Chair Jay Powell indicated that 
economic growth had been stronger than expected, and so much so that now there are concerns among some policymakers that if this growth trend sticks around, it could put further pressure on inflation, which would require more rate hikes heading into 2024 instead of the rate cuts that markets had been expecting. So then what should we make of this year's rally? Should we throw in the towel and move to the sidelines since the narrative seems to have changed? Well, not so fast. You see, market narratives evolve and change all the time. They turn on a dime, as they say. Indeed, that's where we get the old adage, buy the rumor, sell the news. So then with all that said, adapting to changing plot lines is a way of life for most savvy investors. And the truth is that we've been here before. In fact, it was precisely this time a year ago that markets were obsessed with the Fed pivot and were sorely disappointed when Jay Powell's comments about bringing pain to the economy at last year's Jackson Hole Symposium. But you'll also like to recall that the late summer sell-off set the stage for a bull market rally that took hold this year. Now, make no mistake, we're not calling for an all-clear or a repeat of last year's events. To be sure, persistent demand-side inflationary momentum and shifting market narratives suggest that markets are likely primed for a pullback in the weeks ahead. Indeed, with the economy still primed to produce higher prices, the prospects of a year-end rate cut have all but faded away, and now investors are trying to find a new story or a new narrative to carry the market momentum forward. And so history has shown that market volatility tends to pick up when investors are trying to piece together an investment thesis or a story that they can tell themselves to their investment committees and to their clients. Indeed, until markets can get a consensus view on a new market narrative, expect more significant day-to-day and week-to-week price swings. Either way, staying agile, well-informed, and ready to pivot based on evolving circumstances in this market will be essential to taking one step closer to becoming the master of your own financial independence journey. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Five Mastery podcast. To learn more about our research, visit us at fivemastery.com or email your questions to questions at franklinmadisonadvisors.com. Until next time, I'm Peter Donisanu, wishing you and yours abundant health and prosperity. Five Mastery podcast is brought to you by Franklin Madison Advisors, Inc. Franklin Madison Advisors is a registered investment advisor firm with its registration and principal place of business in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. This commentary and forecast are limited to the dissemination of general information pertaining to Franklin Madison Advisors investment advisory services and general economic and market conditions and are subject to change without notice. The information shared today is not intended to be personal, legal, investment, or tax advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. For additional information about Franklin Madison Advisors, including fees and services, please contact Franklin Madison Advisors or refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosures.